on Christmas Day, if you can remember that far back. Um, as Ian was speaking, myself, Charlotte and Tom interjected saying, is it all about you, Ian? I thought it was a team and some ideas that we had of what our favourite thing about Christmas was. And I shared that my favourite thing about Christmas uh, was food. No surprise there. I can hear the brain uh, thinking, of course. Um, And I love the fact that at Christmas uh, we sit down, we talk about food, what we're going to eat, what we like. Do we like sprouts, don't we? Are we going to have cranberry sauce? Who likes Christmas pudding? Who doesn't? Who wants beef instead of turkey? We talk more about the food, I think, than actually we do of gifts and stuff like that. Because it's really important. It's lovely that we can sit down uh, with friends and family over a meal. You see, food is a common denominator. We all have to breathe air. We all have to breathe. Uh, We all uh, have to drink water, yeah? And we all need food. In fact, the only reason we are here this morning is because of the common denominator, and that is Jesus Christ. We are all here because of Jesus. None of us Uh, Some of us might not even actually hang out with people that are in this actual building this morning if it wasn't for Jesus. It just wouldn't naturally happen, okay? So food is really important, I believe, (laughs) to sustaining us in life. Jesus seems to think it's a really important thing as well. And uh, just as we read here, uh, he eats with other people. It makes us stop. The food should make us stop. It should stop us in our tracks so that we can take some time out to chat with people. I mean, too many of us are probably eating on the go, getting indigestion and actually not stopping in our day. We need to stop. You see, Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. There's food there, isn't there? There was a feast. He turned water into wine. It was a celebration. We read as well in scripture that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' home for a meal, another tax collector. It says that he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. It says what we just read there in Mark, that he ate with tax collectors and sinners. He ate a last supper with his disciples, and we are going to be remembering that supper a little bit later as we take communion. He had a fish barbecue with the disciples on the beach that he made. He made a fish barbecue. Made me not like fish on a barbecue, but it's great. Wrapped up in a bit of foil, a bit of lemon. Sorry, I'm getting carried away now. I like food. And he refers to the great wedding feast in Revelation at the end of time when the bridegroom and the bride come together and they have a massive banquet, a feast to celebrate that we have come together for eternity. So the question is for me as I was pondering on this, as we were kind of going through it with some of the young people, is who did Jesus eat with? We know he ate with his disciples last supper and we saw the fish and they would have eaten together as they discussed things. He would have eaten with his family as he was growing up and people within the community. 
But according to scripture, he ate with sinners the most. Out of all of the people that he ate with, he ate with sinners the most. So the question I'm pondering on this morning, and I ask this question of myself as well, who are you eating with? And are the people you're eating with giving you a reputation? You see, Jesus got a reputation with the people that he ate with. In Matthew 11 and Luke 7, he's actually referred to as a drunkard and a glutton. Not because he got drunk and he ate two bargain buckets to himself, but because of the people that he was hanging out with, because of the people there. They drank too much. They ate way too much. See, he ate with tax collectors. Some people said accountants in that little sketch. Very interesting. Vegans thrown in there as well. Very controversial, I might add. He ate with these tax collectors. A lot of them were Jews. And a lot of the people despised them because what they were doing is they were collecting the money on behalf of the Romans, not giving all of the money to the Romans. So were taking a little bit for themselves. So when we have Zacchaeus, it was quite well known. Some scholars have thought actually the food that Jesus ate at Zacchaeus' house was probably paid for by illicit means. Did Jesus bother? Did he say, no, I'm not going to eat this food because it's illegal. You've taken it from these people. No, he sat down and he ate. Today's equivalent, I was kind of thinking, who would be today's equivalent of tax collectors? And I thought, probably traffic wardens. (laughs) Probably traffic wardens. Probably those companies that take money for parking. Just one minute over. See, it's so uh, annoying. And and even yesterday... um, Kent Council, some traffic wardens apparently were going round and putting tickets on cars that were abandoned because of the snow. Exactly. Oh, oh. Jesus ate with traffic wardens. And he would would eat with traffic wardens. This is the thing. We take in a a, a deep breath, don't we? Go, that is terrible. That is all. How could people be so insensitive? That traffic warden, I think, a few months back, who put a ticket on an ambulance as well and it was just like the the, the outpouring of rage against I'm thinking I think tax collectors and traffic wardens could be in the same kind of uh, bracket here you see Jesus ate with sinners prostitutes and pimps drunks social outcasts criminals people who didn't go to synagogue or church he ate with them so the question is who are you eating with? When the disciples are questioned by the Pharisees here in Mark 2, um, they say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Notice here they're not asking Jesus, but they're asking uh, the disciples. So they're kind of undermining uh, Jesus' authority a little bit. Trying to get the disciples to kind of try and trick them a little bit, because they're the ones who don't fully understand stuff yet. But it says that Jesus hears this. And in verse 17, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. 
So if Jesus came for the sinners, not the righteous, who should we be eating with? It's a real challenge for us. It's a challenge for me. When I read this and when I study this kind of stuff, I'm always looking at myself first and thinking, what are you saying here, God? See, it's really easy to eat with friends, isn't it? Really easy to eat with friends. Uh, Jesus ate with his disciples. It's okay. It's fine. But it's really hard to eat with those people that we would call sinners or unhealthy. I know some of you might be asking, actually, aren't we sinners? We've been doing the Freedom in Christ course with the young people on a Sunday morning. And it's been really eye-opening. We've done it before. But in Scripture, it says, if you've accepted who Christ is, if you're saved, you're no longer a sinner, but you're a saint. And that's been a real challenge. I know it's a challenge for us as, as, as human beings because we kind of sometimes think, well, oh, I still do that and I still do that. But because of the cross, because of us accepting who Jesus is, because of us having our sins forgiven, Jesus no longer looks at us as sinners, but as saints who sometimes sin. It's something that I'm trying to get in my head a lot more. You see, we are the healthy. We are healthy. Christ died, we have been saved. We have accepted that. So we are the healthy. Would Jesus be at our bring and lunch later? Would he? He might be. He might say, actually, is it okay if I bring some people I've met on the way here this morning? We know who they might be. Because they won't be the healthy. They'll be the unhealthy that he brings. The sinners. Or would he say, thanks, but I'm actually going to go and eat with the homeless guys who are on the run at the moment for silly things that they've done. And I'm going to try and find them and take, can I take some of the food from here? Can I take some of the food and I can go and give it to them? In fact, do you want to come with me and we'll go and find them? Maybe that's what he'd do. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great that we can eat together as a church family. I really do. And in our discipleship groups and, and family groups and everything else like it, it's really important uh, for fellowship, for nurture, for prayer, for growth. But if that's all we're doing, it's an imbalance. If that's all we're doing, I believe it's an imbalance. I believe we need to be out there mixing it with the community. Now, I hear the plea of careful not to the world infiltrate your life. I had it growing up from certain youth leaders and parents and stuff like that, saying you've got to be careful who you hang out with because it will rub off on you. And admittedly, some of it did. But I'm still here. I'm still fighting the good fight. So who are we mixing with? You see, how else are people going to hear about Jesus How else are people going to get well if they're unhealthy? It's down to us. You know, I've shared it on Sunday night that some of us uh, from different churches are going to the local football club, Billericay Town Football Club, as football pastors. 
just an idea to a thought that, that might be good because the owner seemed to be quite sympathetic towards Christianity. So um, we started going down there and um, recently uh, praying around the ground when we got there. And we're just finding all of a sudden people are just asking us questions or, or sharing with us uh, situations that are going on in their lives. Um, I know we've got stuff that's going on in church and in people's lives, and it's hard. I'll tell you now, it's a lot harder out there. Some of the things that people are going through, I don't know how they're coping without Christ and without a church family. You know, I know when I'm going through stuff, I can rely on, on, on you guys to be praying for us as leaders, as a family and stuff like that. I know that. We're finding these guys are hurting. They're in pain. You know, and most of them are dealing with it in ways that we'd be like, oh, that's a sinful way of doing it. But that's how they're dealing with it, with alcohol, with drugs, with, with relationships breaking down. That's a place where the unhealthy are, where the broken and the needy are. Yeah, it's football, and it might not be everybody's taste, but do you know what? The people we're speaking to, we're praying for a guy who's got... Uh, tongue cancer, and he, he had a third of his tongue cut away and, and lumps out of his neck cut away. And I said, I said to him, we're praying for you. He's like, thank you, I really appreciate that. Then when I saw him after he's had the operation, he hadn't eaten since Boxing Day, and this was like just at the beginning of January. He'd gone like 10, 12 days without eating food because it was so painful. I, I, that, that courage that swells up in you to say, Pray for him. You know, in your head, you're kind of like, oh, I should really pray for this guy. And then the other bit of your head's going, no, don't be so stupid. Everyone's going to look at you and you're going to look foolish. Ah, but we've got pastor's jackets on. We got, it's there. They know what we're about. And I said, mate, is it okay if I actually pray for you? Is it okay if I land, land, uh, put a hand on your shoulder? He said, that's great. Please do. So I did it. I just prayed a simple prayer of healing that cancer would be gone from his life. There was a few people around observing us, but he didn't care. He went, cheers, mate. Carried on doing his job. He then put on his Facebook page a week later, I've just been for an update, um, I'm cancer-free. And I sent him a little message saying, thank God for the NHS and prayer. And he literally sent back the praying hands emoji. That's all we're doing. But we've been given that opportunity at the football club that we never would have thought because we found people there that just need Jesus. And I'm just like, that's a few of us. How many of us in this room? How many of us are mixing in the community in our different areas, whether it be school, in, in, in uh, supermarkets, in work? There's so much that we know that people we're mixing with are going through some really difficult times. So do what Jesus did. Do you want lunch? Do you want to come around for a meal? Should we grab a coffee? We just chat. Just chat. You know, we go in the club afterwards and we don't drink at all uh, during the game or anything else like that, but we go in the, 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 the clubhouse afterwards and we'll have a pint of beer and what it t- tends to do is just, it just brings us, us down a little bit to that level where they can go, oh, they are human beings. 
They can have a beer. And it's okay to do that, but we'll only have one. And we always make sure we're only there having one because the rest of them are having six, seven, eight. And you're having, come on, mate, out you come. You see, we can allow the enemy to give us a spirit of fear or we can allow the Holy Spirit to give us a spirit of confidence and courage. I side with the latter. It took a heck of a lot for me to actually say, can I pray for you in front of all of these people? I felt like that. And that's me. But I tell you what, the rise of faith afterwards. We prayed, we prayed for him. We did, we prayed for him. We prayed, brilliant, look at that. A little bit later, he says he's clear of cancer. Oh my days, this prayer thing actually works. So who are the unhealthy people that you know? Your neighbours, relatives, friends at school, at work. Guess what? You're the doctor. And you've got a cure for him. He's called Jesus. You see, Jesus isn't here on earth anymore. We know that through scripture. But he places the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us to go and heal the sick. But you've got to spend more time with them in order to do it. That's why Jesus ate with sinners. Because he was there to heal them. You were a sinner once. Now you're a saint. The great thing is that actually Jesus ate with all. We actually read in Luke 7 that Jesus ate at the home of the Pharisee, uh, where the woman anointed Jesus' feet with perfume. And also in Luke 14, where again Jesus is questioned, but he challenges the guests as they had picked places of honour. See, the Pharisees were sick too, and they needed Jesus. If you've got your Bible open, and you can turn quickly to Mark uh, 14... Verse 12. Actually, it's not 14, verse 12. That's my notes for communion, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. He talks about the people that actually we should invite. And he talks about the people being the sick people, those that are unhealthy those that are in need. That actually if we invite our friends all the time, then actually that's not good for us. Because all we then do is we invite our friends back again. So who will we invite to the next bring and share lunch? See, a meal stops us in our tracks. We chat, we discuss, and we find people of peace. We find the start of a great relationship where the Holy Spirit can work through us in someone's life. So the challenge this morning is to be intentional about who we meet with. I think that word was used a lot on Wednesday night's church meeting, intentional. We're to be intentional and should be about who we meet with and who we eat with. To think more about reaching the sick and doing it over a meal, a coffee glass of wine, a beer, Diet Coke, hot chocolate. There's loads of ways. To not be fearful, actually, of being sucked into the world, but to be bold, knowing that God's got your back. I'll never leave you or forsake you, he tells us. We're the doctors. 
through the name of Jesus, we need to heal. Jesus shows us we can do it through eating a meal. It's a really simple thing that I think Jesus gave us as an example. Really simple. It's not complicated. We all like to eat food. What he's just challenging us on, I think, is who are we eating with? Start easy. Start with neighbours. Start with those people you've had conversations with over the fence or whatever it might be. Just make it easy stuff. Jesus doesn't make it hard. And then start to look into our community where there is need, where there is hurting, where the unhealthy are. You know so many of your friends that are struggling with stuff. Invite them round. Invite them out for a drink, whatever it might be. Do it prayerfully. Be intentional about, you know, I said last Sunday evening, be intentional and, and actually have people praying for you. You know, I know that when we go to the football club, there are people praying for us. We don't just go into it blindly. And we should expect results. So who are you eating with? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the example that Jesus sets us throughout the Gospels. It's really simple ways that we need to just learn from and challenge ourselves. Father, I pray this morning that it wouldn't be a sense of feeling guilty, but it would actually be a sense of feeling a, uh, an encouragement and an excitement to think, yeah, this is, this is what you're about. Father, we can say, would you help us? But actually, you've helped us through your spirit. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us more and more to be bold, to be courageous, to eat with the unhealthy. I thank you, Father, that for so many of us here this morning, we have accepted your call. We have accepted your son and we are the healthy. Yes, we still go through stuff. Yes, we still have the same issues and problems that everyone else has. But Father, we've got an eternity safe and secure in Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, uh, this week to think and look for those that may need that help to reach out and be bold and courageous enough to invite for a meal. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.